Island Mortgage Brokering, episode 111. The only podcast for brokers by brokers. I Love Mortgage Brokering will inspire you to up your mortgage business. Join your host, Scott Peckford. Hey, Broker Nation. It's Scott Peckford from I Love Mortgage Brokering. Today in the show, I have Jake Abramovich of Mortgage Edge. We talk about a lot of things, but I really enjoyed our conversation on hiring an assistant. Jake admitted to me that he probably should have hired his assistant eight years ago. He's been in the broker business for a long time and talks about his journey to finding an assistant, the tools that he used, and how this has been changing his business and his role in his business. And I think if you're in that stage of your career, this is going to be a great interview for you to listen to. And he even shares three places that he went to recruit online and which ones worked for him. So I think you're going to love it. This episode is sponsored by the career section of I Love Mortgage Brokering. The career section allows brokers who are trying to decide where to hang their license to connect with brokerages that are hiring. It's kind of like a dating service for brokers and owners. If you're a broker looking at options, go to the site, put in your postal code, and you'll get a list of brokerages that are recruiting in your area. You can compare things like company size, do they have office space, which lenders do they have status with, etc. Check out ilovemortgagebrokering.com slash careers to find your perfect match. And check out this interview with Jake. You're going to love it. Hey, Jake, welcome to the show. Thank you. It's a pleasure and an honor to be here. Awesome. So can you just tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got into the mortgage business? Absolutely. So about 14 years ago, my brother was already two years into the business at the time. I was doing a vastly different job as a research analyst for a small consulting firm. And he just asked me kind of on a whim, uh, we were having a coffee, he said, hey, why don't you join with me? You want to kind of go be your own boss eventually, which is always my dream, my goal. And he got me into it. He taught me the ropes. And then I, uh, I separated from him to a degree. And we've been kind of focusing on our own things, still collaborating on a lot of projects, but working independently. And so that's basically how I was given this opportunity. And so you were in your other job, your analyst role, you were an employee, correct? So you got paid like a regular salary? Nine to five. And then so how was it to make the transition from nine to five to, you know, what, whatever to whatever to make who knows what? Yeah, that's a great question. So the first thing he said to me was, and he always says it to this day, this is not a nine to five job. And I repeated that mantra to many people, but that's what makes this job so amazing. I don't even call it a job. It's really a career, a passion, if you will. Um, how was it? It was not easy. It was not easy because, you know, we're talking 2002, 2003, the market was just starting. The idea and concept of brokering, especially online, wasn't really all there yet. Although brokers were around for a long time, we didn't necessarily have maybe the best reputation out there, not us, but individually, but as a broker community. So we were kind of things were just kind of getting started. And then we've been riding that market wave since then. But it was definitely a challenging first two to three years to kind of learn all of the various things. To this day, I still can't tell you I'm an expert in everything in this space. And that's good because I always want to learn in it. There's always something else to kind of pick oh, up yeah. and learn. And Okay, so when did you realize that you really were, okay, this this career was for me? Like, do you remember a certain file? Was it a certain like year? Was it a certain milestone? Like what? what uh, it was very early on. Um, first of all, in my previous job, I did the nine to five thing. I did presentations to, you know, CEOs and various kind of chief level individuals for on my reports. I didn't find it interesting because even though I really cared about what I was researching, I wasn't really feeling that cold kind of passion about it. Right. So one very early on, I had this, uh, I had this great Turkish client named Vlad. He bought a cheap little condo for 140K. And when I first met him, I realized I'm kind of talking to somebody on my level. I'm not talking to a banker, to a CEO, to a you know, manager or what have you. I'm talking to a, just a guy. 
And I kind of became friends with him, and, and I followed his kind of career path as well as he's been growing. But very early on, I realized this was the job for me because I really like meeting people and getting out there and helping people. And, and that kind of grew at, in the first year, second year, when I went to these people's apartments and places and real kind of dingy areas where they're living and helping them buy their dream homes and seeing their eyes light up when they're like, wow, so we have the loan and it's all because of you. Walking out of that to this day still is the best high I can ever get because I feel like I'm helping these people learn and empower with what they're doing with their money and also achieve their dream of home ownership, which sounds cheesy, but it really is a dream for a lot of folks. Oh, totally. You know, there was a period when we were in between places. And so we went, this was a couple of years ago, we went and moved in with my mother-in-law and she had a massive house. So I'm not going to make it sound like it was awful. 5,000, I think well, 6,000 square foot house hmm. with a pool. We lived in the downstairs, but it was a few months. But when we moved back into our own place, I was like, man, you know, you, it made me appreciate again, having your own space. Because you've been a homeowner for a long time, you forget, you don't know what that feels like. Completely. And people who are, you know, renting and, you know, not like I don't have any problems with renting. If someone's ultimate goal is to rent and it makes financial sense for them and they're doing well otherwise, great. But people who are renting and don't want to rent anymore or are getting kicked out by the landlord or their neighbor's bad or, or even they just want that sense of ownership. I want to mow my own lawn and do my own thing and have my own rules. Yeah. Like, and especially for my, a lot of my business early on came from newcomers or immigrants or first generation people who, you know, were raised here, but their parents are immigrants. To them, even more so, I think sometimes their whole dream of owning a home is just that important to them because they feel like they've made it in Canada. For right or for wrong, that's what they feel like. And it's, I understand why. And, and I just love being a part of that process. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. So before we dive into your story, I want to ask you about a success quote that's really had an impact on you. So can you share, because I love how quotes are portable, they're memorable, and they can kind of help you, you know, like, for me, I use them like reset buttons. But so can you share a quote that's had an impact on you? Absolutely. And one that I recently learned from better, not bitter. And I learned that the hard way. I didn't service a, a client to the best of my ability. Sometimes you drop the ball and, and I was really angry at myself, but I just wanted to learn from it. And I heard a quote, if I can mention who, it was from you actually. And I just thought that that really stuck to me. And, and since then, I've been really kind of living by that be better, not bitter kind of mantra in my life and in my brokering life, especially. So can you give an example of how you like some, you know, obviously about names and stuff, but how yeah. the, you, the situation was like, hey, I have a choice here. I can actually kind of get bitter about what happened or I can learn from it. Yeah, absolutely. So to, to refer to this one case I was telling you about, you know, basically I was dropped at the altar, you know, the worst nightmare for any mortgage broker. But when I look back at it, I can see why. So I had a recent change in my business, which we hopefully will touch on, which was hiring an assistant. And I felt like I gave my assistant too much of the deal to manage rather than myself. And I've always relied on myself to being that strong sales guy, but the strong kind of like motivator to my client and someone who holds their hand. And I really just dropped the ball. And my client did tell me, you know what, Jake, I don't feel I got that service from you that I was expecting, that I was led to believe I would get. I've never dealt with a broker before. And it was really the first time in a long time that that happened. But instead of focusing on all the things that I did bad, I took it all inside and I thought about it. Okay, how will I never let this happen again? So I could have sat and, and been angry for a couple of hours or days or what have you. And then had that transferred to my other deals, my other relationships, be it work and not work. Mm -hmm. But I didn't let that because I really wanted to say, okay, it's a bitter pill to swallow. I lost that commission. It's my fault. How do I improve that process from day one 
for the next client. And I reached out to this client and I thanked her immensely saying, I really appreciate you telling me that because I will never be better if you weren't so honest. Right. Yeah. And it's about, there's, there's a great book called Extreme Ownership and it talks about how you need to take ownership of a situation or else you can't, you can't learn from it. You can't, you know, improve. And that's, that's totally what you did. So that, that's awesome. And then, so what specifically did you make an adjustment to in your process that will hopefully avoid that from happening? Um, even though I hiring my assistant has been a great help, I've decided to go back and being the point of contact for everything necessary from start to finish and having her be simply on my more, more of on my back end with the transaction rather than have her take the lead after a lot of the process has been done. And that I'm finding, again, much more interaction with the client. And you know what? I focused on kind of getting down to the basics again. This past weekend, I had a client that was really itching to meet before she made a commitment. It was a lot of time. The highways were closed in my area. It was a pain to get to. But I thought, man, I'm going out there and I could potentially have the opportunity to make $4,000. Why would I not do that? Why mm -hmm. would I not you know, go back to square one and kind of be what I was from the beginning? the hustler kind of in the industry. So I did. And, and you know what? I, I secured the deal before I even left because they, they really appreciated that level of commitment. Mm -hmm. And so I, that's what I'm trying to improve is just kind of keep things simple, be who I am and not kind of uh, revert to my, my assistant, my help, who has been amazing, but who I want to do more of the, the things like that that will help my clients understand service. Mm -hmm. That's really good. Uh, I w I'm going to come back to the assistant question, but before sure. we do, I want to ask about failure as a, you know, talking to successful brokers, entrepreneurs, failure happens, but it's never final or fatal. Do you have an example of something that you had failed at, but now looking back, there was a lesson in it for you. Obviously, this is one example you talk, kind of talked about, but do you have another one that... You know what, man? I I'll tell you, I fail every day, I find. And I fail every day, almost in a small part. You know, I fail to maybe follow up or I fail to take on a lead as strongly as I could. One thing that I have recently learned, which I'm very happy about. So I got an opportunity to sit in an office for a pretty big broker in the city, uh, downtown, and they were being very, very aggressive with what they needed back from me, whether it's comp splits or the level of like attention and how often I was there, et cetera. And I feel like I aced the interview, but then I failed because they didn't want, they, ultimately they went with another broker. But in hindsight, I thought, man, I was selling myself short. I was, I was giving them too much and I was kind of not being who I really, I wasn't true to myself. So I decided I was happy. I talked to my broker, my mentor, John Barges, about it. And he told me, you know, here's what, here's what you should take away from it. And I look back and I mean, that was a great success to fail there to learn more as to standing up for myself as a broker. Cause I find we get asked for too much sometimes from realtor communities, right? Mm -hmm. I found like, wow, I may have failed that, but actually I succeeded in defining what I have to offer. And if an opportunity like that comes again, I need to be from day one aggressive about how good I am and why I'm the right match and what have you, instead of just taking, 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 you know? Right. So this was an opportunity to be in a real estate office? To be in an office, to be an in-house broker. And, you know, I was very excited, but I didn't see the forest and the trees. I really thought... I was only looking at the numbers and not the potential pitfalls. And, you know, on the couple of deals that I've worked with this broker since when I first started and they kind of tested me out, I realized now in hindsight that I am so happy not having met or joined that team mm -hmm. just because I'm just, it's just not at all what the way they presented themselves. And I wasn't, I was so eager to help them and to work there that I wasn't able to analyze, is this the right relationship? So what if someone offers you a certain volume commitment, that doesn't mean 
their client base is going to work with you, right? Mm-hmm. And, and I learned that the hard way because I wasn't accepted into their team. I got you know annoyed by it because I thought I was the best broker in the world. I'm not, obviously. And then in hindsight, I realized, you know what? That was probably a good failure to have because next time I need to take a step back and think before I make my decision or before I offer myself to a, a broker partner or a realtor partner. Right. Yeah, that's good. So it helped you define more how you're going to you know, do your value and do your business. And if it's not yeah. a fit, then say no quick, right? Like, be say like, no yeah. quick. Yeah. And yeah. you know that, and that say no thing, I posted this on the, on the uh, Facebook page. I've also recently learned about learning when to say no to a file. I have this client who's doing a construction deal who's so, un, first of all, very demanding, but also unrealistic in their expectations of what the construction financing process is like, where I just cut the file loose. I said, look, Gary, you know what? I can't help you. This is why I've offered you X, Y, Z. You want A, B, C plus 100. I cannot help you for and these reasons. And a back reasons. rub. <laughs> and a back rub. And you want me to visit. And you cut want your me lawn. To... Exactly. <laughs> why don't I just frame your house for you, right? I learned really fast because it's not failure if you can't do a deal as long as you can identify why you can't do it. Mm-hmm. And finally, I'm able to say, I can't help you. Done. Sorry. I've put my effort into it. I want to look at the files that are fresh and ready for me to jump on. Right. Uh, I'm the same way. We recently fired a client and it felt great. It was like, not just because I knew it was never going to be work. She was never going to be happy and, and it was unrealistic. And so I just was, it's a, yeah. And it's not a great feeling like you don't, you know, or a broker partner or a realtor or whatever. It's not a great feeling to do that. But as long as you know why you're doing it and the client, you know, they may never understand, but ultimately at the end of the day, you just have to kind of help yourself. So you, you had mentioned, I'm going to segue into your conversation with an assistant. So you've been a broker for what you said, how many years now? 13? Well, my, my brother and I together, we, yeah, we, I mean, technically we've been together for like 14 years. If you think the years that we were together formally and informally and, and for forever, we were told you should hire a broker or an assistant. We never did. Right. So, okay. What happened recently when you decided to finally, okay, I'm going to hire an assistant? Nothing. Again, I, I work with John together closely. John's my broker partner, my mentor. He's been around forever and he just kind of nailed me year in, year out. You know, you got to try it, do it, do it. I I did it. It was amazing. And I finally listened to him. That's what happened. I finally said, I'm going to let go of everything in the file from start to finish. Mm -hmm. I'm going to focus on what I'm good at. And I'm going to let somebody who's good at compliance do my compliance, who's good at paperwork, do my paperwork. So I know what I'm selling. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I just took a leap of faith. That's what it was. I found her on LinkedIn. I did a big advertising blitz for job applicants and I really liked her and I really liked her resume and I decided I'm going to try this. And it's, uh, it's, and my broker always said, don't do it to have more time to yourself. Do it to get more business. Now right. I haven't done the metrics exactly, but I can tell you absolutely. I have met many, many more people and the clients that I'm meeting and broker realtor partners, but most specifically clients. I'm able to focus more time on my relationships with that client rather than just get in, get out and rush to my next meeting. Right. That's awesome. And so how long has she been work this person working for you? Since January 1st. Okay. And so you've been 13 years in the business and yes, definitely I've talked to lots of people and the value and importance of hiring assistant. One of the other things they always say, I get a CRM or keep track of your clients. The other thing mm-hmm. is once you get to a certain point, it makes sense to sort of build a team and that could be just an assistant. So what would you say to somebody who's sitting on the fence 
after you've been sitting on the fence for 13 years, yep, yep. Uh, what would you say to them if they're like, oh, I don't know, man, like, I, you know, what if they screw up the file or? Yeah, yeah, no, no, it's an excellent question. Actually, I just had a real chat with this on Friday with a really close colleague of mine at Mortgage Edge. He asked me the same. He's like, so, you know, how much do you pay her? How does it work? And I was very blunt and I told him how much I paid and I told him how I make it work and how she makes it work with me. And everybody's different. But I just basically tell them, take my advice, learn from my mistake, don't wait that long. He's at about maybe, I would say, 18 to 20 million. And I said to him, if you do this the right way, you will at least go to 30 with your skills because he's an amazing guy and really good at his job. Mm-hmm. And so I just, I just tell them, like, look, I am an example of this. I am the right example you should always learn from in terms of why it's the right time to do it. I told them how to find it, how I looked what questions, what mistakes I made, what I didn't do properly, how I've set her up, what technical stuff she needed to know, you know, all of these things where I just hope that they listen to my advice and don't do what I did for 13 years. Right. Okay. I'm going to you talk about a whole bunch of things here. Let's, let me just ask you about how did you use LinkedIn to find an assistant? Yeah, I did a one month advertising blitz. It cost me 400 bucks. I went on Indeed and on LinkedIn, and I went to our local, uh, our, like a camp and IMBL, the uh, not IMBL, sorry, the uh, IMBA, sorry, Independent Mortgage Brokers Association here. And I just said, like, I'm looking for an assistant. Here's what I want. I found that on Indeed and on LinkedIn, I got a lot of crap. I got about 450 applicants, of which what? 90% were completely and utterly just throwing things at you, just left, right, and center that did not meet the goals or needs that I had. So I was kind of disappointed, but out of the 30 or 40 that I got, you know, a lot of them were better and better and better. And I nailed it down to three. And then from the three, I did three interviews and then I decided to go with this one person. Okay. And then, so this person, what channel did you find them on? Was it which? On LinkedIn. So how do you, I didn't even know you could advertise for employees. Yeah, absolutely. So for, yeah, for employee candidates. So what happens is you punch in all of your, your needs, your wants, you know, you write a little brief about you, what they'll be doing. And then you put in the skills, like you have to do drop down menus of what skills you're looking for, whether it's CRM, marketing, mortgage assistant, you could be as specific as possible. You know, you could write in Phylogics expert, right? Which is a skill in my opinion. And then, so it, it cost me again, it was like 300 bucks, $350 for a month. It was a one month thing. And then LinkedIn throws that job out there and it matches people up with who they think or it thinks should apply for the job. So it's still a still a computerized version of a headhunter, but mm-hmm. that's it was very cheap. I don't pay that headhunter a certain percentage of her salary, and because I found her, I found it to be a success. Although it took me a long time to look through the crap. And okay, so if you could only do one of those things out of the just, I like to you know clear, for focusing. If you could go, go back and you can only do one of those methods, which one would you pick to hire? A I, w- I you know, in hindsight, I would have been a little bit more patient. And I would have gone after the local mortgage broker alliance associations, whatever they are in the area, and gone after them to find people. And or, I believe it or not, what I told my colleague on Friday, I said, you know, there's a couple of people we work with mutually that are document clerks at the big banks or credit union or the monolines. I said to him, I'm like, you know, you should consider talking to person X, Y, and Z because they're very good at what they do. And they're a pain in my ass when they ask me for documents. And they'll be awesome as an assistant. So I gave him some ideas there. Mm-hmm. But ultimately, as much as I liked LinkedIn, I think Indeed was better because it was cheaper, but also I got much better hits from Indeed. LinkedIn, like I said, I got so many applications that I may have met somebody. Some There was just too many wide ranging. Like I had an MBA law degree student from New York University. I'm like, 
you don't need to be a mortgage assistant, you know? Yeah. You need to be somebody else. Right. So it just it was just too generic, unfortunately. I think the word assistant is too generic. Right. Oh, that's good. That's really good advice and really listening. And I and I can I've actually had an assistant since the day I started. So nice. my wife started our business twelve years ago and she had an assistant and so I've I would be useless if I didn't have somebody help me. Uh, so totally. Um, totally. and it definitely, you know, with that extra time you can either A, you know, sell more or use some of it for selling, some of it for whatever is important to you. But I, I'm a big believer in and it, it actually gets easier to the more the more deals you're doing, the easier it gets, actually. Like there's a you sort of get into a rhythm versus if you're just doing three or five a month, I think it's actually harder than doing eight or 10 because you're just doing it more. Right. Oh, oh, for sure. And it's easier on the assistant, too, because, you know, I told her her job is a nine to five job. I fully respect her family and just three kids. And, you know, she's married. But I told her once a month. Twice a month, there might be a time I got to call you at eight to do something really quick. And she's been absolutely on the ball. Mm -hmm. um, but I don't expect her to live under my clock. If I sign a client up at nine o'clock on a Saturday or Sunday or Friday, I don't need her to be around because I know my stuff and I, I just need her to prepare everything perfectly for me so that it's ready and then take over on the back end with the management. So it's, it, yeah, you're right. I could not imagine now not having one, but it was a tough growing pain. It was a difficult first couple of months in terms of personality. And then expectations, because I expect a lot from myself. I expected a lot from her, and I needed to take a step back and realize, wait a second, this person's not been a broker for 13, 14 years. Of course, they don't know the difference between CMHC and Genworth, right? Mm -hmm. and, and even though they worked in the mortgage industry, they worked in commercials. So they had a lot of skill sets that they brought, but not what I maybe expected. So I just said, okay, let me take a step back and teach them these little things. And I'm learning, I'm seeing, she's learning every day still. Mm -hmm. Why order on Solidify versus NAS? Which is better? How to do this? How to do that? Why is this? And she asks great questions. And if your assistant's not asking you questions, they're not doing a good job. Because right. then they're not eager to learn. They need to know what they need to know. Right. That's really good. I want to ask you about sales and marketing. So you touched on it briefly about sort of how brokering has changed since, you know, you got into the business. But can you share an example of marketing or, a, you know, some kind of initiative you'd done that wasn't working the way you'd like? And then a change you made in the outcome that you got? You know, I will tell you that I still live by the old school way. I'm, I'm 38. This weekend, I was talking to a realtor who's in my age group. And we were, we were having a lunch. And we were amazed at how people under, you know, below us in the 25 to 30 category, A, are so noncommittal, but B, refuse to believe that the face-to-face -face method is the best way. So where I'm going with that is, yeah, I, I, I thought, okay, you know what? Eventually, I'm just not going to meet any clients. I'm going to do everything over email on my consultations over email and write out letters and letters and letters and volumes of emails to people. And I realized that that wasn't working for me because I would rather just pick up the phone and schedule a meeting and sit down and have a nice face-to-face -face for an hour to two with a prospect or a closing client rather than just go back and forth and back and forth. And so I went back to, again, back to the basics, back to the old school way of selling. Now that may not both so well as the millennials grow and become homeowners. Mm -hmm. Maybe I'm not adopting their way of technology, their Tinder methods of life, but I'm hoping that when they realize this is a big purchase, they will still appreciate somebody doing it the old school way. And if not, then maybe I'm not a match for that group of buyers. Maybe that's not who I will focus right. on. Get a mortgage but, on Snapchat. <laughs> you know, exactly. Like I, on Snapchat, I'll give you advice and I'll make it fun. And on Instagram, I'll tell you what I like. And on Twitter, I'll give you 140 characters. But it's not going to answer should you go variable, fixed, long-term, short-term, et cetera, right? Mm -hmm. No, so totally. It's, I'm finding 25-year-olds to 65-year-olds. People really like 
meeting still, which is good. It makes me happy because I don't want to do this over a bot. Mm-hmm. I don't want to do, I don't want my mortgage Jake bot to be like, hello, how are you today? Great. It's a nice day. What mortgage do you want? I still want that discussion. It feels a, it makes the relationship stronger. Right. Actually, something you'd mentioned once before was fintech and that you were, so uh, tell me what you, what define fintech for people who are listening. And then what's your sort of, what's your take on it? It's the one thing that keeps me up at night, really. I mean, I feel like I have this job understanding of what I'm good at, what I'm bad at. But the fintech is this kind of, in my opinion, this 800-pound gorilla that hasn't entered the room yet. Fintech is financial technology, the merger between your phone and your finances and how lenders, banks, etc. are behind the scenes adopting this mobile usage, which we are so addicted to into how we can interact with our financial companies. So it scares me, but I also don't know if I'm maybe blowing it out of proportion in my head. But it scares me to think that who's developing what on the back end that I'm not aware of in terms of how they can get more customers and make the process of getting a mortgage as easy as possible. So you may have seen Quicken Loans in the States have the Rocket Mortgage, which approval from start to finish, literally, allegedly in 30 minutes. And the way they do that is without even submitting income documentation, they're able to tap into databases of, of information to verify your ID, your down payment, your employment, and get you a mortgage right away. Now, I don't know when and if that will ever happen in Canada, but that's one example of the fintech movement. And that's a big example, but there are small players where they're a lot more nimble than Royal Bank, Scotia, TD, where, who are all working on their own kind of mobile approach, but who take much longer versus a smaller player that might just come in, a broker with just this leading edge programming knowledge that will come in and blow us away with this amazing offering that we're not able to catch up to. So that's what fintech is. And that's why I'm kind of, I'm always on the forefront of researching it and thinking, what is the next answer in our industry? Because we can certainly improve it from a technology point of view. Mm -hmm, Totally agree. So I'm going to move to rapid fire questions. You can answer sure. these with shorter answers if you like. What's the number one thing holding back most mortgage brokers from being successful? I think confidence is the number one thing. I think we can all learn our products. And I've seen brokers do this time and time again. I've seen that they're experts. They know more than I do. Which lender will do property type with this type of income, da 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 da, da. But when it comes to confidence in talking to people and selling that or giving them that information, I find that that's the one thing that kind of holds them back and and the only way to get the confidence is by talking to more people because this job is all about talking as much as you can to meeting as many people as you can. So just get out there and be as confident as you can in your ability and you will let yourself kind of grow. Mm-hmm. What one thing or habit do you think has made you successful? I think just being able to talk to anybody at any time. I know that as a kid growing up, I was very shy. I would hold, hide behind my father when you know guests would come over and hide in the bedroom. And I, one day I just said, you know what? I don't want to let that translate to my professional life. So I think just being able to pick up the phone and within three minutes go from, hey, how are you? Good. You know, how's the day going? Everything's great. Tell me, what's your social insurance number? How much money do you make? Where's your money? You know, we, yeah, no, we definitely ask finish. inappropriate questions. You know, if Absolutely. You're, you're at a dinner party. So how much did you, what was your line 150 last year? You're like, <laughs> what? Or even, or on a date. <laughs> yeah. What, what, this thing on your credit report, like, what was that? That'd be hilarious to actually do a video of like, mortgage broker asking questions at a dinner party and oh, yeah. <laughs> it would be a very good kind of like viral video to shoot you know so you're behind on your telus bill that's terrible todd no no so so being able to to have the people's security right and mm-hmm. giving me this info and sometimes they're like you know i'd rather meet you absolutely let's meet but for the most part they feel comfortable because they feel like i have the confidence and mm-hmm. knowledge and i know what i'm doing 
Right. Do you have an internet resource or software program used to make your business more successful? Good old Microsoft Excel. Thank you, Bill Gates. Uh, it's still my best tool to this day. It's very old school. We are adopting a very big technology platform at Mortgage Edge that we will discuss kind of when it's released. But until then, I'm still using Excel and I'll upload that to our new software when it's ready. If you could recommend one book for our listeners, what would it be? You know what? I lately picked up and almost finished the four-hour work week. By no means do I believe that we as brokers should focus on only working four hours a week. But there was a lot of things I picked up from that book in terms of work-life balance. And I find that a lot of broker colleagues that I work with, even though they are brokers, they're still working hard but not smart. Mm -hmm. They're spinning their wheels. They're not saying no to deals. They're pushing deals every left, right, and center. They're, they're doing things that are not necessarily efficient. And I just want you know, uh, our colleagues to understand that this industry allows us to have that free time, whether it's to travel, you hire an assistant to help you out, spend more time with your family, do things you love, better yourself as a broker, maybe learn other skills. So that, that's one book that I think a lot of people should read because our industry eventually could turn into that kind of model where you can really work very efficiently in a very small amount of time and get a lot of things done. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I love that book. I read it yeah. many, several times. Last question, if you could jump into DeLorean, remember the Back to the Future movie? Mm -hmm. And so of course. if you could travel you back 13 years when you first started as a broker and you could give yourself three pieces of advice, what would you tell yourself? Track every deal from day one. Absolutely track it, where it came from, who gave it to you, take notes on every client. I have this crazy innate ability to remember people's numbers, their details, their dates of birth, everything like that, where when they call me back, I remember their dog, who unfortunately probably died by then, but they, they have this sense of comfort. But if you don't have that, track it. It's easy. Put it in Excel. Put little notes. Remind yourself that this person's having a baby. Follow up a year later when the baby's born, et cetera, et cetera. That'll give you, you know, plenty of reasons to call people. Secondly, be confident, but be humble. This job can humble you in a second when you get a deal you think you'll do in a moment, and it turns out it's a decline. When you're as busy as you are, never ad advertise it. And when you're very, very slow, never lament about it. I find too many people when they're busy, they're just like, oh, I'm too busy. I, I can't even talk. I'm so busy. But really, that's good. I'm happy that people are busy. I want them to be. But that's not the end of the world. It's a good thing. Be happy that you're busy. Mm -hmm. uh, and third, you know what? Read as much as you can. I read Facebook. I read, I read my, my uh, uh, BDMs, emails back and forth. I read both all trade magazines. I read the Globe and Mail. I read the New York Times. And when I go out to meet people, I, I want to know. I want to know a lot about a little. Or sorry, a little bit about a lot. I want to be able to get out there and just tell them to talk about anything because you'll always find a common point of interest with your client, with your realtor, through your experience and through your knowledge, through your reading. So I find that reading really helps me uh, and, it, and it will continue to help me from, you know, as a growing broker. Right, dude, that's awesome. Actually, one other thing. So if you knowing what you know now about having an assistant, would you have hired somebody sooner? Oh, uh, I would have hired an assistant. You know, I wouldn't say I would have hired one from day one because technically the way I started with my brother was I was assist assisting him. But I think five years in, I think eight years ago, I would have hired one and I should have. We just should have done it, but we didn't. And now, again, anybody that's listening, I can stress to you, if you're at the mark where you're still doing your stuff and you're busy or you're, you're growing your business tremendously, it's not that hard to find good help if you know where to look and how to look for it. And it's, and it's just so rewarding to have somebody. And you know, this is something we touched on earlier. It's also nice to know that you're helping somebody have a good job. My assistant works from home. She's able to see her kids more. 
She doesn't commute an hour and a half each day, which is great for her. Mm -hmm. I'm helping her develop as an assistant, but also as an employee and as a family person. And that, you know, that kind of helps me feel good too. And, and I'm, and I'm getting what I'm paying for. I'm getting really good help. So yes, anybody out there who's, who's on the fence about it, do it. And if you have any questions, I'll, I'll walk you through how I did it. But do it, do it, do it. You would be crazy not to. Awesome, Jake. I really appreciate your time, man. This has been a fantastic interview. Where can people find you online? At Twitter, at MortgageJake, MortgageJake.com. I blog all the time. Obviously, on Facebook, I'm at MortgageJake. On the uh, I Love Mortgage Brokering Facebook thread, you'll see me all the time answering questions question, and then giving questions. So I'm around, man. I'm in the GTA. I'd love to sit down and chat anytime. Okay, awesome. I really appreciate it. Anybody listening, you can get links to everything we talked about at ilovemortgagebrokering.com. Jake, man, I hope you continue to crush your business and congrats on the new assistant. Thank you very much. Thank you for the podcast and all the work you guys do. Thanks for tuning into the I Love Mortgage Brokering podcast. Subscribe on iTunes so you never miss an episode. Also, if you take two minutes to rate the show, you will get three new deals before the end of the week. How do I know this? Actually, I don't know, but we'd really appreciate if you took some time to write an honest review. It would help us out a lot. Also, if you go to ilovemortgagebrokering.com, you can join our VIP club for mortgage brokers, and we send tips and tricks, stuff that doesn't get shared on the show. Sometimes some of the best ideas come when the recorder's turned off. If you want to get access to that stuff, visit ilovemortgagebrokering.com slash VIP and get on the list.